Hey guys, John Paulamy here, Actionable Intelligence. Today's Sunday, January 23rd, and this is a weekly market update. Just be aware that uh, anything that you see or hear on this video or podcast is not to be taken as investment advice. These are my personal opinions and general information. Please do your own due diligence. It's your money, it's your responsibility. So again, I was a little bit late with this. Uh, for some reason, I've been sick again all week. Um, I don't know what's going on here. I went and got the COVID test and said I was negative, but uh, I basically was out of work two days and then went back to work and then just would come home and immediately go to sleep till the next morning. So I don't know um, what's going on here. It's better now, I'm getting better now, but it's just have the residual you know, coughing and stuff, but man, I've never been this sick over the last, I don't know, three or four times over the last couple months. This is something's not right. So anyway, uh, go ahead and put this out. This won't be as long as usual. Uh, it won't be the best effort, but wanted to get some information out. So uh, here is a tweet by Alexander Stahill, he's a guy that's a hedge fund manager in Europe, we follow on Twitter. And I think that uh, he says here, first inning indeed. What we're talking about is this rota great rotation that we're in, that we've been talking about, that many people have been talking about. And what is that? That's the violent rotation we've seen in the market recently over the last month or so, away from very overpriced growth stocks to value stocks. Um, you know, we had been talking off and on for the last year or more about the overvaluation in the stock market, the growth, um, the bubble conditions in that we thought we would eventually see that top out and, and uh, go down. We've seen this happen in the past, and it's usually been the same thing. We've had a rotation from these growth stocks to value stocks, and we're seeing that, right? Um, the inflation's out of control in this country. Uh, it's obvious now, you know, that the Federal Reserve now has got themselves in a jackpot. They're talking about doing QT. They're talking about um, uh, four rate increases this year. So obviously that has scared the market. I mean, you can look at uh, several, I mean, plenty of people have put the information out there where they've shown that many of these former high-flying stocks growth stocks or some of them are down 80, 90% already. And the overall market, although it's only off maybe 10 or 10 or so, um, that's being held up by, you know, a handful of stocks, uh, Apple, Google, that kind of stuff. So I think at some point, you know, the rotation will continue. Um, I don't think, you know, it's not straight down, right? Some of the most violent rallies you will have are in the context of a bear market. But I definitely think we're entering a bear market, right? Uh, my, my, my view has always been that the Federal Reserve is not going to really raise rates as much as people think. It simply can't. We have a totally financialized economy and government uh, budget that cannot withstand uh, typical interest rates. Uh, it cannot, it, it just won't be able to handle it. So what I think is going to be the catalyst for problems is going to be energy costs. And we're seeing that, uh, you know, we've been talking about that for a while, but 
you know, over the last month, we've seen oil rally $20 a barrel. Now, I obviously think it's overbought now. Um, you know, you got to be you got to be careful here. Nothing straight up, nothing straight down. Right. Remember back in the summer when uranium, everybody was on that when Sprott. Now nobody's in uranium. Right. You can't you, you hear nothing about uranium, even though I'm still massively bullish on uranium. So you have to be careful that you don't get sucked into the shiny object syndrome. Um, these markets will ebb and flow. So what does he say here, Alexander Stahill? Dogecoin market cap still greater than tech resources. We're still in the first inning. So Dogecoin, you know, is that, uh, I don't even know, it's, it's some kind of fake coin Elon Musk was talking about. I don't know much about it, but evidently the market cap for Dogecoin is, is greater than tech resources. Tech resources is a major Canadian mining company that mines copper and met coal and things like that has interest in one of the oil sands. It's a legitimate company. It would be a value value stock, if you will. And a worthless crap coin has a bigger market cap than tech resources. So this thing hasn't even begun uh, where it's going to end up. We're just in the first inning of this uh, rotation. Nevertheless, it's not going to be in a straight line. Nevertheless, you don't just, you know, buy with abandon. You have to understand that these things are going to, like I said, ebb and flow, and there will be opportunities to to buy in and there will be pullbacks. So be be aware of that. But I thought this was very interesting uh, that even this coin that's not worth anything. I don't if you remember, maybe it was six months or a little bit longer, they had that guy that became a millionaire from Dogecoin or some schlub. And I wonder what happened to him, right? He bought this Dogecoin, it went up. He became a millionaire. I wonder if he sold. He said he wasn't going to sell. And they, of course, they put him on the media. They never go back and follow up, you know, what happened to the guy's probably back bartending at uh, Chili's or something. But, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see. So this, <clears throat> this should tell you that um, this is an interesting data point. Okay, so when we talk about oil and why we think oil is going higher, you know, we've talked about it many times. The participants in OPEC plus being, you know, the OPEC countries plus Russia have not been able to meet their quotas. You know, they keep increasing the amount of production that they're going to produce per day. And many of the countries are not hitting the mark. Russia is one of them, right? So Russia output remains key, remains key concern in OPEC plus hiking schedule. And we show you this uh, this recovery from the, you know, pandemic, and we're just it's not so Russia is just wants to leave free money on the table. I mean, <clears throat> at eighty dollar Brent, um, what's that? Would be forty million dollars a day, something like that, uh, that they're just leaving on the table. I, I I don't think that makes sense. But why are they struggling? Russia seen struggling to keep pace with OPEC. Con Country may only manage about half of scheduled oil increases, higher drilling scene delivering additional supply after 2022. So it's gonna get back to what we've been talking about, not just in Russia, but everywhere else. Lack of investment, underinvestment in a depleting resource, your production goes down over time. And that's what we're seeing in Russia and other places. Russia may be able to deliver only about half of its scheduled increases in crude production over the next six months. 
joining the ranks of OPEC nations that are struggling to ramp even as fuel demand rebounds from the pandemic. With crude already trading above $85 a barrel, the outlook for Russian output leaves the global market looking even tighter than expected. It risks amplifying the energy price surge that's contributing to the highest inflation in decades. Yeah, I mean, it's going to get worse because we don't have enough oil. As we've said before, um, this we thought would be the major story of 2022, the realization that there will not be enough oil to meet demand. And we will get a price spike and uh, that will ration demand. You won't be out on your boat at $10 gas and you won't be flying in your Piper or in your Cessna 172. Uh, you'll be going back and forth to work and going to the grocery store, and that's it. When gasoline's, you know, seven, eight, ten dollars a gallon, which I'm not forecasting, but certainly has the potential to happen in a in a price spike. Um, it certainly would take elevated prices for a long period of time to solve the supply issue. Uh, it says in the booming Asian physical market, Russian premium crude. A favorite grade among Chinese processors has already surged to the highest price since November amid declining inventories in China. The OPEC Plus member is supposed to be adding 100,000 barrels a day of crude <clears throat> to the market each month, but growth ground to a halt in December. Due to a decline in drilling last year, most analysts polled by Bloomberg News expect Russia's actual monthly increases can go no higher than 60,000 barrels a day in the first half. We have a hard time seeing Russian suppliers maintaining 100,000 barrels a day production increases each month for the next six months. Well, they can't, we've already shown that. And they're not the only ones. And when the realization hits the market that this is gonna be a problem, especially now that uh, all the travel restrictions are collapsing around the world. Uh, many governments just on Friday or late last week, Czech Republic, the UK, you know, we talked about previous week about Mexico, um, travel restrictions are going to go away. All these mandates are starting to crumble now. And now we're going to see what real oil demand uh, looks like as these economies are, are going to be fully open. And uh, I would suggest to you that that is going to take us above $100 a barrel sooner than people think. So uh, here's another catalyst for higher oil prices. Um, this is US jet fuel storage. You see the different years here. You can see the graph. Uh, you can see the end of uh, 2021 here, and then you see 2022. We're already starting well below, well below, I mean, almost five, six, almost eight million barrels below the five-year average. Um, <clears throat> and this is when things are going to start opening up now. This was another catalyst that was missing from the oil demand scenarios, uh, a million and a half to 2 million barrels a day of jet fuel demand. Um, add that to the fact that the supply is being constrained because of lack of investment and the lack of the ability of the OPEC members to increase production. So this is another thing to keep in mind. And then uh, here's, you know, Here's what we talked about. You know, we talked about emerging markets. No one talks about these. No one talks about where they are in their S curves. I remember I did put a comment. I've talked about these emerging markets when they get to certain, um, and I haven't done this research. Other people smarter than me have done this research. When these countries get to a certain level of GDP per capita, the energy intensity of the economy increases and per capita energy construction goes up. So, you know, uh, 
as it says in this tweet, this is another guy that you should follow on Twitter. He does a lot of good work on in Twitter spaces, does a lot of educational content about how to value um, oil companies, by the way. A lot of people want to understand how to do these things. There's a lot of free stuff out there, a lot of people putting in a lot of good work. So I would follow this, uh, this guy. Anyways, he says, uh, we are at, the, at an inflection point for petroleum demand in emerging markets, yet agencies and analysts keep using the same oil consumption growth percentage as the last few years. Watch for worldwide oil demand estimates to keep getting revised up, bringing oil prices up with it. So it's just an example. Number of operational airports in India basically keeps doubling you know, every 10 or 12 years. Uh, so that's... Like I said, you don't build airports, so you can't, you know, they sit there. Just like people don't in these places don't buy cars and then park them. Oil demand will keep growing. So this is Vital. This is a Dutch energy and commodities trading outfit. And some of the comments they made on oil, uh, I plucked from energy tidbits that I get every week in my email. And it says, uh, they said, uh, if you look at, global inventories of oil and you look at the success of the OPEC concerted action to take inventories down to pre-pandemic levels. OPEC succeeded many months ago but continued to forge on with their policy so much so that many of their producers can't really put their share of the 400,000 barrels a day monthly increase into the market any longer. Yes, that's what we've been saying. This is one of, like I said, one of the largest oil traders in the world. I think they know more about what's going on in real time in the oil markets than anybody. They go on to say, you have to go back to 2014 when prices fell off that plateau they had established to about four to five years of 110 to $115 a barrel. So we are pushing towards this triple top of the market and possibly new highs. <coughs> Excuse me. So there you have it. I mean, it's just news item vignette after vignette suggesting what we've been talking about for a while now. The world will be short of, of uh, pumping capacity here in the not too distant future, especially now as it's a foregone conclusion that oil demand is coming back. So this was important. This is the uh, Schlumberger Q4 uh, conference call. They had it uh, on Friday. In case you don't know, uh, you know we're very bullish on oil field services. We understand that as oil prices go up, uh, there will be a a resurgence of exploration and development. It goes without saying, in order to do that, these companies will be activated. And so we want to know, you know, Schlumberger being the largest oil field services company and spread out across various markets and geographical locations, this gives us a good, good view and uh, <clears throat> tells us what's happening in real time. So what do they say? Um, the fourth quarter was characterized by broad-based activity growth with continued momentum in North America, activity acceleration in the international markets, and an accretive offshore market contribution. So basically, their business is recovering nicely, and we can expect to see more of that. Looking ahead, we have increased confidence in our view of robust multi-year market growth. Tight oil supply and demand growth beyond the pre-pandemic peak are projected to result in a substantial step up in capital spending amid shrinking spare capacity, declining inventory balances, and supportive oil price. 
All areas in operating environments, short and long cycle, including deep water, are expected to post strong growth with upside potential as Omicron disruptions dissipate as the year advances. So here you have the largest oil field services company basically telling you that the business is recovering, activities increasing. Now, one of the reasons why I'm very hyped up on this is we've seen no movement really in the oil field services stocks, right? This is going to be another area, I believe, where you're going to have a big, uh, a big move this year. I, I'm thinking once the market, once market participants realize what's going on. So, um, and there are plenty of, you know, even if you look at the LIH, it's barely even moved relative to where the oil price is. So the, the oil field services businesses are recovering. Uh, the, the companies in our portfolio, the one that I did see that did report some news, so their business was up tremendously. So the stocks um, are really battered for what the business prospects are. Unless you think that the, these companies are not going to, you know, these oil companies are not going to invest, which is not true. It's already happening. They're going to continue. Um, and with oil going, you know, where we think it's going over $100 a barrel, there's going to be tremendous cash flows available to uh initiate new projects. I don't think it'll just go from zero to 100, but it'll go through as the, as the year goes on and into next year, as the quarters go by, you're gonna see increased activity and increased improvement in the uh, company results. So I wanted to point this out. Uh, this is Germany's CPI and PPI. This is last month's PPI producer price index in Germany was up 24%, 24%. That is crazy. That's insanity. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a one-off. I don't know what's going on. You know, this continued discussion of inflation being transitory or being endemic. Um, I don't know, but uh, this, when you have producer prices being this high, you certainly will see consumer prices tend to track that higher. So, I just don't know how German businesses and manufacturers are going to pass through that kind of increase. They're going to have to eat it on their margins. <coughs> Notwithstanding the fact that um, the hit this is going to take to you know their business prospects, this is crazy. Uh, and then you, like I said, we're not the energy crisis is just beginning. So because energy is a, is a part of everything that's made or transported or grown or whatever, uh, those prices, as, as we see higher energy prices, that's gonna creep into prices also. So I thought this was, this was wild. I wanted to point this out. You know, I don't try to get into the macro too much except for show some things like this once in a while, but uh, that this is kind of crazy. And I think that the bonds in Germany are still like below zero something like that, still negative yielding. That's crazy. If you are owning bonds, you have to be out of your mind. And then finally, uh, here's the EC, European Commission President uh, von der Leyen, that woman that we like to show once in a while. Uh, this, is, this is what I wanted to say here on this slide. That they're not going to change course. You're going to have to throw these people out literally they're not going to stop the the view now is going to shift from 
the pandemic to climate change. We're going to get back on that now as the uh, as the crisis de jour. And so what did she say? The current gas price problem must hasten the shift to sustainable energy. Okay. Um, you people uh, are in Europe are going to be made very poor by these people. Um, it's a kind of a test case, you know, California and Western Europe to watch self-immolation of economies by uh, these people. It's funny, there's a, there's a video of her uh, at the World Economic Forum. They recently had a big meeting there with Klaus Schwabe and uh, she was sitting there, she was standing there and he was talking and she in about you know what she they were doing and she just had this like look of just such contentment that he was recognizing her i mean it's just so bizarre these people are uh, you know you're gonna have to throw these people out you have to walk in pick them up by the the nape of the neck and the trousers and throw them out in the street that's what's going to end up having to happen you're just they're just going to continue down this path of uh this nonsense this cartoonish uh view of sustainability whatever that is it's just not going to work so anyways uh that's it for this week guys like i said uh not the best uh effort but uh a little bit sick this week hopefully uh we'll be able to do better next week we'll recover hopefully we don't pick up another bug in the interim but uh anyways thanks for uh tuning in and we'll talk to you next week